Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a collection of short personal stories about real events from my life that I can't help telling over and over again. Many of these stories prove the old adage that life can be stranger than fiction. I've decided to make a podcast where with each episode, I retell one of the best of these stories with music and sound. My therapist thinks that maybe in this way, I'll be able to stop compulsively retelling my stories. Well, we'll see about that. This week's story is about getting stoned for the first time with your dad and ends in a proclamation of love. Or maybe not. Pipe Dreams My father came for a weekend when I was in college. I think they called it Father's Weekend. At the time, I was living in an apartment with two roommates near the Boston University campus. I'd painted my room with flat black paint, except for the bookcases, and installed black lights so that all my posters from the Stones, Dylan, and the Doors glowed eerily in the dark. My room also featured a kerosene lantern that gave off a red light and I had a killer sound system. This is where I brought my father when he arrived from Albany, New York, where he was an executive at AT AT&T. We sat in my darkened room and had a glass of wine together as we chatted a bit about his trip. When his eyes had adjusted to the darkness and he began to look around my room, he asked, I hope you're not involved in any of this marijuana business. I just smiled and didn't reply, but instead went over to my desk and grabbed a nickel bag of grass and dropped it on the table in front of where he was sitting. He was instantly captivated, like a dog with a bone. He picked up the bag and smelled the contents, then stuck his fingers in and plucked out a couple of buds to examine. So this is marijuana? I said, yes. He said, really? I said, yes, Dad. Next, he said with some alarm in his voice, so you're smoking marijuana now? And I said, yes, Dad, I am. Relax, we should have some. No way, he said. Your mother would kill me. I said reassuringly, Dad, Mom's not going to know. Let's just smoke. Give it a shot. Come on, you're the guy who had a wild life, who ran away to sea when you were young and had all those adventures around the world. Here's a chance to expand your horizons a little bit. So he finally agreed. I, of course, had a hookah, and popped a good-sized chunk of gummy weed into the bowl and lit it up. We started to smoke, passing the nozzle of the hookah back and forth. The grass was good, so within a few puffs, I was totally blistered. But while I was listening to Grace Slick wail on with her rendition of White Rabbit, my father was not getting high. He was definitely inhaling, but to no avail. I'm getting nothing, he said. You sure this isn't just grass, like clippings from someone's front lawn? I think you've been had, son. In the midst of a fit of laughter, I managed to respond, No, believe me, Dad, it's real. I'm getting nothing, he repeated. He smoked a little longer. Nah, it's not working at all. Nothing. But I do notice, just below the lantern, there's a little sort of purple cloud. Do you see it? With that, 
We started laughing together, uncontrollably and hilariously. Now that we were both stoned, he became much more affable and accessible than he was as a straight AT&T executive. As the evening wore on, we told stories back and forth, but kept losing the train of thought and dissolving into laughter. We did an awful lot of laughing. We even developed a game where we had to go back and forth, calling out synonyms for laughter to see who would get stumped at the end. Giggles, guffaws, chortles, hoots, belly laughs, snickers, roars, ha-has, except we kept forgetting which words we'd already used and argued about that and then laughed about that too. In my room, I also had a portable typewriter set up on a table. At one point, my dad asked for a candle, and once he could see, he sat down at my desk and started to type. When I questioned him, he wouldn't tell me what he was typing or why, so I just laid back and did my own thing, getting lost in the music. When he finished, he stood up and came across the room and handed me a letter he had typed. The letter was basically a love letter, which was completely out of character for him. I read it, and it was a beautiful letter. He wrote that he loved me and could never say so, that he also had great respect for me and wished he could communicate all this on a regular basis and not just when he was stoned. He apologized for always being so hard on me and wished he could be more positive. It was a very moving letter, and at the end of the letter, he simply told me, I love you, Dad. When I read that, I teared up and we had a nice long embrace, maybe for the first time ever without patting each other on the back. Then he was kind of embarrassed and went to the bathroom and was gone for quite a while. I think that even in his stone state, he felt a little like he'd betrayed himself. I decided that when he was not stoned, he would probably not be happy with the letter, so I folded it in half and put it in a book in my bookcase. After that, he went to bed in one of my absent roommate's rooms. He woke up very late the next morning and definitely very hungover. The first thing he said was not good morning, but there was an awful lot of foolishness last night. I want to see that letter. And I said, what letter? And he said, don't play with me. I want to see the letter. And I responded, no, Dad, I'm not going to. I'm afraid you might destroy it. He replied, well, I might, but who knows? Just let me see it. And again, I said, no, Dad, I'm not going to let you see it. We went back and forth, and eventually he accepted the fact that I wasn't going to let him see the letter. We spent the rest of the day outside together, having a great time walking around campus and around the neighborhood. Finally, at dusk, he headed back to Albany. I felt very close to him as I watched the taillights of his car disappear around the corner of my block. I missed him immediately, which was strange, since for years I avoided having anything to do with him at all. A couple days later, he called. He belonged to a ride club with a group of AT&T executives. They all rode to work together from the suburb of Delmar, where lots of Albany executives lived. He told his ride club that he had smoked marijuana, and for the rest of the day at his office, he was deluged with stories about all the damage that marijuana could do, flashbacks, memory loss, disassociative states, and the like. As he finished telling me all this on the phone, he concluded the conversation with, I'm going to be sending you some literature which I hope you will read. And I said, Okay, Dad, 
whatever you say. I was so disappointed that our wonderful stoned rapprochement had morphed into a request that I read some clippings about the ills of marijuana use. Finals were beginning soon, and I didn't take time to dig out the letter again, but I knew it was safe in a book. Then after finals, I took a little vacation and came back to start the next semester. And again, I hadn't forgotten the letter existed, but I had lots to do and knew where it was. One thing led to another, and then I did forget the letter. Since it was my senior year, before I knew it, graduation was at hand, and I decided to move out of my apartment, and rather than move my book collection with me, I thought that I would sell all my books. It was then that I remembered the letter again and thought, whoa, I have to dig around and find it. Also, because graduation was such a stressful transitional period, my emotions were a bit raw, which made me want to read the letter again for some emotional comfort. I started looking in the area of the bookcase where I knew I had put it and I couldn't find it. It just wasn't there. The next day I looked again, book by book, and then did a page-by-page search of all the books in that immediate area. Still, no letter. I'd made an agreement with someone to buy my whole book collection, and so the day before he was due to come by and take them away, I did my third and most extensive search over a broader area of the bookcase. I looked all day, and it was nowhere to be found. The love letter from my father had simply disappeared. I sat dejected in my chair by the bookcase. It was then that I wondered, wow, what if this is all just some stoned hallucination of mine? Maybe this letter never actually existed, and I just sort of projected its existence in my stoned state, projected because I really wanted a love letter from my dad. Ever since then, whenever I think back to the love letter, I realize I just don't know. When my dad passed away, a few years after his visit on Father's Weekend. It was then that I decided how I wanted to remember him. Sitting at the desk in my darkened room, working away by candlelight at the Smith Corona, typing a love letter to his son. Impulsive Storyteller is produced by Peter Kokoma and me, Greg Lefebvre. Our theme music was made by Peter Kokoma. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to the Compulsive Storyteller on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, and it would be great if you'd leave a review. Follow the show on Instagram at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening. And if you didn't like this one, the next one will be another story. Mm-hmm.